Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number six of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows of WWE's black and gold brand. I'm your host and humble guide, Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week number six of the Topia Network draws to a close. Can you believe we've made it through another week? Most importantly, can you believe we've made it through six weeks together and for whatever reason, you've decided to come back for more? What is wrong with you? <laughs> but in all seriousness, thank you so much for sticking with me every step of the way from the original listeners to the new ones who've just jumped on in recent weeks. Your support truly means a lot. It emboldens me to keep doing this because I love talking all things WWE and AEW. It's my passion. It's my love. It's something that I live and breathe every single day. And to know you're getting something out of these shows, whether it's analysis, recaps, or my sense of humor for good measure, it truly means a lot. So thank you. A big virtual hug and a kiss to you all. I appreciate everything that you do in terms of your listens and downloads and your support both privately and publicly on social media. And also, I want to thank you for indulging me after my heart-to-heart with NXT from this past week. It was trying my patience. I was visibly and physically angry for two hours after the main event segment. No fault of the wrestlers, but it was the fault of the production and how things were timed and laid out, which just rubbed me the wrong way. And it really went into a deep discussion about what's been ailing NXT since TakeOver. And I called it a post-TakeOver hangover. And hopefully the cure is coming as the road to TakeOver Tampa Bay slowly but surely looms on the horizon as we're under one month away from the biggest TakeOver of the year. And spoiler alert, I can safely say they have done good things to get back in my good graces last night, which is a positive heading into next month's TakeOver event. But before I take a deep dive into all things NXT from last night, if you missed anything from this past week regarding Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, and NXT, you can always listen to past episodes on your favorite podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. So download, subscribe, and listen today on demand anytime, anywhere. But without further ado, let's tackle last night's NXT from Full Sail University as we had a book and show, two steel cage matches, one featuring Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox, and the second featuring Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong from the Undisputed Era. Now last week I had a lot of reservations regarding seeing two steel cage matches on NXT. I thought that Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai were absolutely justifiable in having their feud culminate inside the steel structure. Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong, not so much due to their so-so showing in their main event match a couple of weeks ago on television. So therefore, I'm thinking, well, this is a little bit of overkill. We don't need two steel cage matches on top of a steel cage match, a super showdown. Last week between Roman Reigns and King Corbin, we had a steel cage match in AEW featuring Warlow and Cody Rose. There are two Elimination Chamber matches this Sunday on the WWE Network. So that is a lot of gimmickry to sift through. And as a fan, it can become very numbing and very disconnecting emotionally. So I was hoping to myself, the work rate is there, at least with the women. I don't know about the men. One match will be good. One match will be okay to cover up one's deficiencies since coming back from injury. 
but is it a balance that can make sense? Can they carry the show by being bookended? And sure enough, spoiler alert, they did find a way to make it work despite the handicap involved in terms of oversaturation. So hopefully I don't see two suitcase mashes on the show anytime soon because I just want one few to blow off at a time and not two. That can easily become overcomplicated. But in the event, it worked last night and I'm going to first discuss Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez at ringside watching Dakota's back every step of the way. As expected, both ladies delivered. Their style of wrestling is extremely physical. It's personal. They fight with a sense of hatred for one another, as you should, considering how their feud started at War Games last November. And they truly bring out the best in each other due to being best friends. And I can definitely play into being mortal enemies at the same time. I specifically love the counters. Every time they would charge into each other, they would reverse and charge on the opposite side of the ring to hit their kicks, their boots, and their cannonballs. Very cunning psychology to really drive home the point. We know each other better than anyone else. We know what we're going to do move for move, and we're going to counter those punches and those strikes accordingly. Another highlight was Dakota hitting her variation of the Canadian destroyer called the chiropractor on Tegan Knox. It's a great way to use your knees on the neck area to really add that impact upon landing. That was a great spot, clean and perfectly executed by both ladies. Then I loved how Tegan channeled her inner cane, that's her favorite wrestler, by choke slamming Dakota from the top rope down onto the canvas in a fantastic spot that popped the crowd something fierce. Ultimately, of course, Raquel Gonzalez tries to get involved by opening the door and blocking you know, Tegan when she tries to escape. And there were several false finishes that I really enjoyed. The first one was when Tegan tried to climb out of the cage and then Raquel Gonzalez basically threatened her to jump. So Tegan decided to change her mind and go for a crossbody in an incredible spot. Great catch by Kai as well to protect herself and her opponent. Knox goes towards the door. Raquel blocks the door from being open, hoses shut. She's sandwiched between the referee so she couldn't break free. Then Dakota charges after Knox, but Knox moves out of the way in the nick of time. And by doing so, the door bursts open because Raquel is holding the door shut and she gets laid out. Dakota charges after Tegan, but Tegan moves out of the way in the nick of time. And by doing so, Raquel is holding the door shut. Dakota charges right into her, knocks Gonzalez out. The fans pop, seeing that the giant lady is down for the count. And Tegan hits Dakota with the shiniest wizard for the closest of near falls the nearest near fall of the match she couldn't believe that she did not have her mortal enemy beat and she thought to herself okay the last time I fought this crazy lady I cost myself the match I was too aggressive trying to end her career so I need to get out of this cage let me climb up out of here and be free as she's climbing down the cage there is Raquel Gonzalez back on her feet and she's trying to bait her to fall to her feet. She realizes that Tegan could land at any moment so she tries to drag Dakota out of the ring and by doing so Tegan kicks the door and Dakota's injured knee and her foot is hung on the ropes in a great spot like a little karma coming her way. Tegan tries once again to get out 
of the cage, but Raquel uses the door as a brace and holds it against Tegan, which allows Dakota to crawl out for the win. It was a very creative finish to a very good match featuring two of the best ladies in NXT, putting in that work once again, telling a great story. And this does leave the door open in a literal sense for a rematch down the road so Tegan can finally find a measure of revenge on her former best friend. And I have to give Raquel Gonzalez credit. She was a great presence at ringside and she had great facial expressions throughout. I know there are a lot of online comparisons to her and Sonya Deville, but to me, last night she had that crazy little glint in her eye that reminded me a lot of Victoria from back in the day, one of my favorite female wrestlers of all time with a great personality and were great to match. And in a perfect world, if I can speak this into existence, I would love Victoria to do a guest stint at the WWE Performance Center in the very near future to really coach up Gonzalez on how to project her character on television to improve her work rate and her promo work, which is very important because that backstage promo a couple of weeks ago was very rough around the edges. And I've seen her potential in the Mae Young Classic both years. So I know for a fact she has something. And once it's developed and someone can harness her gifts, she'll be unstoppable. And one of these days when she turns on Dakota Kai is going to be a beautiful moment. And I do sense star potential in Raquel Gonzalez. She's tall, she's fierce, and she can do it all if she puts her mind to it. So last night, was definitely a good performance in terms of emoting and showing her dominance in a very subtle way. And shout out to Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai once again for having another very good match inside a steel cage. They are two of the very best in NXT and it's very encouraging to see two women feud and it's not over the NXT Women's Championship because there's only so much to go around. And it's very important to have these spinoff views involving the ladies so they can be established as contenders down the road to future takeovers and live television events in the event you need a slot to fill on TV in a particular week. And that builds credibility and personalities for everyone involved. And I hope this template is utilized more often, not only on NXT, but Raw and SmackDown as well. There are so many women that can offer so much if you give them the time, the story, and the agency to show what they can do. And that is what Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai has done on three different occasions over the past several weeks. And that is truly impressive. So my tip of the cap goes to both ladies for a job. Well done. So if you would have told me last week that Cameron Grimes would be a heat magnet on NXT television, I would have said, you're joking, you're kidding, right? Sure enough, Cameron Grimes comes out to interrupt Keith Lee's promo and he generates the most heat of the night by just speaking. And his delivery isn't that great, but the fans are all over him and he's getting the right kind of heat, not that go away heat. He comes off as being incredibly annoying in the best possible way. And he made his match against Keith Lee for the NXT North America Championship next week matter in a match of moments, which is amazing. He was very cocky saying, hey, Keith, it took you 20 minutes to beat Dominic Dijakovic. It didn't take me that long to beat him last week. And he felt he was owed a title shot. And sure enough, he's going to get it next week from the WWE Performance Center for NXT Fan Appreciation Night. This was a fun segment. The NXT crowd, I have to say all last night, were very energetic, which was a nice change of pace from the morgue-like scenes over the past few shows. They were very up for last night's show very energized and putting the people they're supposed to get over in a meaningful way. So good 
for the fans of Full Sail. You definitely earned your weight and keep last night. And Cameron Grimes, one of the most underrated workers in the business today, but he had a moment last night when he came off as the most annoying man in Orlando, which is no easy feat, but he carried it well. My only critique is I need him to improve his delivery with his promos, but if he continues to get heat like that, then being intentionally awful might be a blessing in disguise. He was magical last night, and those fans definitely helped put that talking segment between him and Keith Lee over the top, in my estimation. In a throwback to NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 from 2018, we had the Undisputed Era versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch in a very good match. The only difference this time around was there was no NXT Tag Team titles on the line and Bobby Fish was in the match instead of Roderick Strong. In any event, this was a very good match. If you wanna see four guys who are legit in-ring technicians, this was definitely the match for you. It was short, but I loved the work rate from all four guys. And it makes me yearn for Birch and Lorcan to be taken seriously as a tag team. They have what it takes to be champions someday, whether in NXT or our SmackDown. They don't get a lot of television mic time, but you know what? Their work in the ring speaks for itself and it just screams tag team excellence. And if they can get a Chicago crowd from a couple of years ago to go from chanting for the UE for them in the closing moments, that is a testament to their ability to really get a crowd and hook them when it counts. Lorcan gets the hot tag from Birch down the stretch and he cleans house. The fans are going crazy, but ultimately he falls to the high-low for the win and the UE get on the mic and proclaim that they want to rematch against the loser weights also known as the bros weights Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne obviously come out and the stallion bros are ready to accept the challenge when the grizzle young veterans attack them from behind to reassert themselves in the tag team title picture as the tag team division heats up on NXT and it was announced later in the show that the bros awaits will defend their NXT tag team titles against the undisputed era next Wednesday from the WWE Performance Center on NXT fan appreciation night and that match should be an absolute bond burner but don't be surprised if the Grizzly Young veterans interfere, which could lead to a triple threat match at TakeOver Tampa Bay involving them, the Brozoweights, and the UE, and maybe a fourth team. You never know how these things tend to play out, but the tag team division definitely needs some TLC due to several teams being called up this past year and how thin the credibility is in terms of teams at the moment. So the more the merrier to give this division, one of the best divisions in years past, some much need life. In a segment I like to call Future Stars Showcase, we had Austin Theory versus Isaiah Swerve Scott in my second best match of the night, right behind Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai's steel cage match. Now I have to say this for Austin Theory, the last few weeks I called him builder wrestler, very generic, but you know what? He is growing on me because he's developing a personality as a heel, a very arrogant guy that, if you didn't already know, is 22 years old and has already declared himself the greatest NXT superstar of all time. He told this to an interviewer outside a Full Sail and Isaiah heard those little comments and said, hey, you wanna put that theory to the test in a match? Theory obviously accepted and they had a very good match. I have to say this for Isaiah Swerve Scott, he is one of the best precision strikers 
in all of WWE. His offense is clean. He hits it with razor sharp accuracy. It's just truly a gift to do what he's able to do and also mix in some straight up technical wrestling for good measure. Austin Theory, as he is proud to state and the announcers as well, he's only 22, but you know what? He's growing every single week and I can tell he's starting to gain confidence in himself and his work is very indicative of that and he won the match by cheating just a touch when he raked Isaiah over the eyes when Isaiah climbed on the top rope to finish him off and he hit him with the ATL which is the Austin Theory launch and that's a variation of a cutter modified in midair and you drop him for the one, two, three, a very impressive finish to a very good match. And it shows that Austin Theory is starting to figure things out and he is going to be a star. I don't know if he's going to be the biggest star in NXT history that's yet to be seen, but I definitely see growth from him every single week. And it does not hurt when you're working with guys like Roderick Strong, Tomasa Champa, and Isaiah Swerve Scott. And I need Swerve to get some love in on NXT television, he's too good to be squandered week to week. He truly is a guy that can definitely elevate any division he's in, whether it's the NXT Cruiserweight division or someday, hopefully, fingers crossed, the NXT Championship. And I can say the same for 22-year-old Austin Theory, because if you did not know already, he's 22, like Rhea Ripley is 23. The 20s are running wild. Whew, let it roar. <laughs> All right. Let's add some levity to this moment before I get into the Johnny Gargano saga. And it came to a head somewhat during a very tense and uncomfortable sit-down interview at Mauro Ronaldo, an excellent segment to display Johnny Gargano becoming more unhinged by the week. And the interview started off normal enough. Mauro wants to know, hey, Johnny, why did you attack Tomasa Ciampa two weeks ago at the end of TakeOver Portland? And Johnny deflects saying, you know what, Mauro, I was the only NXT star at your red carpet premiere for your Showtime documentary, Bipolar Rock and Roller, a great piece on your life. And you are a storyteller, Mauro. You tell stories. You tell our stories in the ring. And I respect that. You know who I am. And Mauro says, yes, you're Johnny Wrestling. Of course I am. So Mauro says, I understand that, Johnny, but why did you do what you did to Tomasa Ciampa? And Johnny becomes increasingly more angry and more volatile. And he threatens to get up from his seat, screams at Mauro. And Mauro says, hey, I'm just asking you a question, man. Just here's your platform. Here is your opportunity to speak your truth. And Johnny says, Tomasa knows why. He looked into my eyes and he saw the reasoning behind my actions. And Mara asked about the ambush from last week. Why did you attack Tomasa Ciampa from behind? Johnny got more irate saying, listen, I had a powder blue jacket on. How could he not see me? Here I am in plain sight wearing the loudest jacket in the building. He saw me coming. There's no such thing as a sneak attack when I'm seen in plain sight. Then... <laughs> Johnny takes serious offense to Mauro calling him Johnny Turncoat on commentary. Like, how dare you? You talk me up. You talk up my matches. You talk up my legacy. And here you are calling me a turncoat. But when Tomasa Ciampa comes back from neck surgery, daddy's home. And the psycho killer's back. And he gets all this admiration and love for you. And I get none of that. And you know why I did what I did? Because of what he did to me almost three years ago? Betrayed our friendship? Destroyed our tag team? Oh, 
oh, there's hell to pay. And he got in Morrow's face. He touched him. And Morrow says, getting very uncomfortable here. Can we end this interview? And says, sure, go, go, go. Johnny focuses on the camera, zooms in real close and says, hey, Champa, next week we're going to do things the Johnny Gargano way. And here in the segment, a great segment to make Johnny Gargano look absolutely crazy. Mauro Ronaldo did a fantastic job playing the role of Jim Ross from all those years ago when Jim would ask the tough questions and people would get in his face and they would sometimes set him on fire. Hi, Mayor Kane. But in any event, Mauro definitely held his own and he asked sensible questions, not dumb questions that WWE announcers tend to ask all the time. And it was staged properly. It was very natural. There was nothing forced or inorganic about the moment. Johnny was tremendous by becoming absolutely unhinged during the segment being normal and calm and he got madder and madder as the conversation continued. And I cannot wait to hear from both Ciampa and Gargano face to face next week to see how this thing is going to come to a head, presumably at TakeOver Tampa Bay, the most personal feud in NXT coming to a head. Three years in the making, one year in the making, considering Ciampa was injured last year and was unable to pay off this feud. But to know that they haven't forgotten about it and the payoff is coming is truly a testament to NXT booking and both men for keeping this feud vibrant and alive for nearly three years, which is damn near impossible to do unless you're forward thinking in New Japan when it comes to the epic Okada Tanahashi battles from five or six years ago, which are truly the standard in terms of telling a story year after year. And it's great to see that forethought playing out on NXT with Ciampa and Gargano, two of the very best. And I cannot wait to see their final act in just a few weeks time in Tampa Bay, Florida. It is now time for our main event segment featuring Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong inside of a steel cage. Now, the last time we saw these two men compete against each other, I thought that was a very poor showing from both men, specifically Velveteen Dream. But as I mentioned last week, this type of setting will cover up Velveteen's rustiness. And sure enough, it did tonight. It looked much better in this match against Roderick Strong. Worked very well together, told a nice story. And the wife of Roderick Strong, Marina Shafir, got involved by sneaking a kendo stick through the steel cage to her man because Velveteen Dream had the audacity to invoke Marina's name during his feud with Roderick Strong by making it very personal by involving her and her child, which is never a smart idea. And quite frankly, it was baffling and inexplicable that the babyface would do such a thing. And it gave very mixed feelings to fans about hey, is this guy supposed to be a baby face or a heel? Should we feel bad for Roderick Strong knowing his family's being targeted by this crazy person? But in any event, they course corrected within the last week by not mentioning the family with the exception of the video packages recapping the feud this past week. But in any event, the match was very good. The work rate was solid between both guys and the kendo stick did come into play when Velveteen dropped the stick out of Roderick's hands only for Roderick to beat him during the picture-in-picture during the commercial break. The closing moments of the match had the UE come out, the Undisputed Era, all three of them, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, trying to climb the cage by any means necessary to cause a distraction, and Velveteen Dream fought them off, knocked them off the cage at every opportunity, and somehow, some way, Adam Cole got in the ring, and then eventually him and Dream got into a scuffle. 
in the meantime, he was taking everyone out that was in the ring, including Strong, and he did hit the DVD, the Dream Valley Driver, and had a chance to actually escape the cage, but he thought better of it. He weighed his options. He looked at Adam Cole, looked at Roderick Strong, and said, hmm, who do I want more? So, since Roderick wanted to win this match so bad, he let him. He threw him out the door and onto the floor, and therefore, by default, Roderick Strong won the match. But Dream won the war because he locked himself inside the cage with Adam Cole, and the fight was on. The UE tried to interfere, but Dream fought them off every step of the way. He dropped Adam Cole with the Dream Valley driver onto a steel chair, and the show went off the air on time, mind you, with Dream holding up the NXT Championship and standing over a knocked out Adam Cole, which hints to a possible NXT Championship match at TakeOver Tampa Bay next month and that is an interesting matchup to say the least. So this was a very good main event segment and it ended on time. I cannot stress that enough. It left me a very happy camper after last week's fiasco of poor timing and production that pissed me off to no end. But back to Dream and Cole, a very intriguing matchup that could take place at TakeOver for the NXT Championship. Dream had a shot before against Ciampa in an amazing match at TakeOver War Games back in 2018. And I expect similar results if he were to face Cole for the championship at TakeOver Tampa next month if he knocks off the ring rust in time, which is always a question mark in terms of his stamina and his in-ring prowess getting back to what it was prior to his injury. But overall, a fun show, much better than the last few weeks of television that really tried my patience as a fan of NXT, but they sense the road to Tampa Bay is upon us and they had to do something to make this show stand out in a hot Full Sail crowd definitely made the show what it was as well. And I can't wait for next week's show from the WWE Performance Center. Should be another fun night, more intimate as it was last year for Halftime Heat. Should be a fun show nonetheless as a road to take over Tampa Bay continues. So NXT, it's good to see you again. Nice to have you back. On that note, this wraps up another edition of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's Black and Gold brand. Thanks for listening, as always. You can also follow me on Twitter at LadyWrestlingX as I promote these podcasts on the daily to give you your raw AEW Dynamite NXT and Friday Night SmackDown fix four days a week, every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If you missed any episodes you want to get caught up during the week or weekend, feel free to download on your favorite podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. sharp recapping Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, the final show before the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view this Sunday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern on the WWE. Network, the final show, the final major show before WrestleMania next month in Tampa Bay, Florida. Enjoy your Friday. Get your weekend started off right. Until tomorrow, see you later, boys and girls. Take care.